It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Reports have surfaced that the Washington Commanders may bring in free agent running back Kareem Hunt, and you want to know if it's a good idea, a good fit, and if the team can even afford it. Well, I'm going to answer that and more on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into this Tuesday episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can continue the conversation with me over at Subtext on Subtext at joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders, where you can go one-on-one with me because I'm your host, David Harrison, at dharrison eighty two. On Twitter, credential member of the media and Washington Commanders beat reporter for Commander Country Sports Illustrated's fan nation site covering the Washington Commanders. Here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers. And as always, I appreciate all the everydayers for your continued support to the show. On today's episode of Locked On Commanders, we're going to discuss the future of Washington's starting secondary. And we're going to dive into the potential return of the fullback position. But first, we got to talk about Kareem Hunt. Is the free agent running back a good idea? Is he a good fit? And is he going to be cost effective for the Washington Commanders? Because, guys, Kareem Hunt may be on his way to the DMV. According to Josina Anderson, who tweeted recently, quote, I'm told the commanders have quietly been making some preliminary inquiries behind the scenes on free agent running back Kareem Hunt per league source. We'll see if this leads to an opportunity for Hunt with Washington, end quote. Kind of a short tweet, right? Not a lot of detail. Uh, in there, but the most commonly asked question I'm getting about this, and that's why I saved it for the mailbag episode because a lot of you are asking about it. So let's put it in the mailbag, right? Is about whether or not this is even a good idea. And honestly, more than a few people have actually brought up his off field incident that resulted in an eight game suspension for Kareem Hunt back in 2019, his first year with the Cleveland Browns after being released by the Kansas City Chiefs after that same incident. I would say this, he's been clean since, right? As far as we know, and, and all we can operate off of is what is public knowledge. He's, he's been safe. He's been clean. He's, he's, he's kept his nose clean, that is, uh, ever since. This isn't a, a drug thing, right? Uh, but he's been clean ever since. His, his, his behavior has been clean ever since. He's adapted to, and he's accepted a backup slash change-up running back role in Cleveland, which I think is important. Uh, and to be honest, he accepted his role in Cleveland so much, they actually wanted an extension. The reason he asked for a trade from the reports that I read, and of course, you know, we don't know everything that's going on in the background, and maybe there are conflicting reports out there as well, but the understanding is that he wanted an extension with Cleveland, which would tell me that you're at least satisfied with your role, if not happy with it, uh, but asked for a trade when he didn't get one, essentially, right? So taking all of that, here's why this makes sense for the Washington Commanders to be doing at this at this point in time. Obviously, he's got that history with coach Eric Bieniemy, but I think when you look at coach Eric Bieniemy's history and we're going to get even deeper into coach Eric Bieniemy's history and connections with other coaches here in just a little bit, it's important to remember the diversity and the, the versatility of the running backs that he's coached, right? 
and and how that kind of reflects on this Washington Commanders roster. Uh, I've kind of mentioned this before. Every day is you're going to recognize some of this, but Brian Robinson Jr. is more your Adrian Peterson type of running back. Uh, again, these aren't direct comps, right? But just kind of looking through Eric Bieniemy's coaching history, I think Brian Robinson Jr. is kind of your 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 Adrian Peterson type, right? Antonio Gibson is more your Jamal Charles, and then Kareem Hunt is your Kareem Hunt, right? I mean, he's a guy that he had a lot of success with. Uh, but then there's also the longevity thing, right? The best ability is availability. Well, Kareem Hunt's only missed nine games since he returned from his suspension. His suspension was eight games. He's only missed nine games since then, the return of or returning since returning in the middle of 2019. Uh, and five of those came in one stretch in 2021. So outside of that, he's only missed four games. Meanwhile, Antonio Gibson has missed five games since 2020. And honestly, he's played some other games that he probably would have missed if Washington had better options behind him or around him to help uh, carry the load. But because they didn't have those better options all the time, they needed AG to kind of push through injury. And he, AG is AG, so he did it, uh, and he did it to the best of his ability. But bringing in Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt's best seasons both came with the Kansas City Chiefs. So you look at Eric Bieniemy's versatility and back usage, ability to craft for his players, uh, and then you look at Kareem Hunt and the fact that, you know, while the Cleveland Browns were the team that kind of gave him the opportunity to resurrect his career, and certainly Kareem Hunt has done some good things with the Cleveland Browns. Really, his best years came with the Kansas City Chiefs. And oh, by the way, Kareem Hunt's only about to be 28. He turns 28 years old in August, so I think he still has plenty of tank, plenty of gas left in the tank to help a team that's looking to spread out the touches. And I think that's what Washington needs to look for, a clearer placement for J.D. McKissick without the neck injury history. Of course, we hope that J.D. Uh, is doing very, very well. And really, at the end of the day, what this allows the team to do is be more run-focused, but really more running back-focused, less, lesser, uh, you know, not so much run, you know, hand the ball off focus, but it's more so running back-focused, uh, spread the wealth for the touches, the, the screen passes, the dump-offs, all those things with three legitimate running back options, B-Rob, A.G., and then Kareem Hunt, uh, and then the diversity of talent, you know what I mean? All three of those guys do some things similarly, but they all do one thing separately, uh, that they do better than each of the other guys in, in the room, and that allows Eric Bieniemy to cater his offense to his opponent's weakness, whether it's week to week, stretch to stretch. You know what I mean? We come into Dallas expecting to use Brian Robinson a lot, but it turns out Kareem Hunt is getting uh, the big plays. Let's go to Kareem Hunt more. You know, it, it's it's one of those things that allows your scheme to be versatile as well as the players inside of it to be scheme versatile, along with other backs, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, a solid tight end room. I mean, really. You know, it's, it's like a spoil of riches for Eric Bieniemy if you add Kareem Hunt because the issue this year won't be whether or not the offense has too little creativity like it has in past years that we've seen, but whether or not EB gets almost too cute, right, and tries to be too creative and goes overboard uh, with the creativity and ends up kind of fooling themselves into some some mistakes. And I think at the end of the day, when you look at the mindset of the Kansas City Chiefs since Eric Bieniemy has gotten there during his time there with Andy Reid, uh, obviously kind of leading that charge, is mostly – a straight-up offense, right? They, they still kind of come out there and they say, you know, we're going to run traditional sets, traditional play calls, play designs, but they have the ability to get creative when their time is right and when they choose to do so. And that ability is always, always applying a little bit of underlying pressure, right? The defense always knows, okay, this looks like 12 personnel, traditional type of set, everybody, everything looks normal, and then boom. Next thing you know, Noah Gray is running an end around, throwing the ball to the right side of the field to Patrick Mahomes or some craziness. You know what I mean? And I think that understanding that that Chiefs offense is always ready to kind of pull the rug out from under you, it's almost like 
getting to a quarterback with pressure but not sacking them, it's cumulative, right? And it puts that pressure on the defense because, like, every play that the team runs that's not a weird play, they're almost expecting it more. And you're like 30 plays into it. They're like, okay, haven't seen anything weird. So maybe third play 31 is going to be weird. And it gets those defenders off their game just a little bit, makes them overreact to something they see or even underreact to something they see because they're expecting the trick uh, to kind of come. Cody Benjamin, the CBS Sports, projects a deal between the Washington Commanders and Kareem Hunt would be for one year worth about $2 million. I think that's a little light. I think you're probably looking at $2 million guaranteed up front and probably another $2 million uh, in potential incentives. So the Commanders currently have about $11 million in top 51 cap space every day. We've had our cap, our salary cap conversations, so they don't have to be uh, or have their initial 53-man roster under the salary cap until September. So adding another $4 million uh, in total guarantee signing bonus and likely to uh, likely to achieve incentives is certainly manageable. Uh, it's either likely to achieve or likely to earn incentives. Um, and really, if you add a guy like Hunt outside of the complete meltdown uh, by the by, or outside of a complete meltdown by this new built, newly built offensive line, uh, who again we've yet to see them against live competition, so it's hard to say just how good or bad they are. I, with this many weapons, man, it's really hard to see Sam Howell uh, not being successful back there right so uh great question by a lot of you you know varied questions you know some worried about the cap some worried about the usage some worried about the fit some worried about the history a lot of different angles there so hopefully i was able to kind of hit on all of those but clearly uh i am i'm okay with the team bringing him cream cream hunt uh if they chose to and if, if you've been here uh every day is for mock drafts you, you saw i mean I, i've mocked guys like tajay spears to this team you know uh so obviously i like a guy like this uh, for this team and for Eric Bieniemy's offense, but what about the fullback position? Is that something we could see returning this year under Eric Bieniemy? I've got some ideas on that potential in this year's Washington offense, and that's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Commanders is brought to you by FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now. New customers, that's you customers, new customers, you can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today. Currently, the Washington Nationals are in last place in the NL East, uh, and it's not likely that we're going to see postseason baseball here in the DMV this year. But if you think they could pull it off, and if you think they might even win the World Series this year, you would be in the minority, but you could make 100 thousand dollars on just a 100 bet right now on FanDuel if they were to pull it off if you want to maximize this no sweat first bet offer then you could place a thousand dollar bet on the braves or the dodgers and if they win you could earn north of four thousand dollars those are the two teams favored right now the most but if they lose you still get your thousand dollars back in the form of free bets that you can go then go elsewhere uh, and use them there to try to reinstate your bankroll and if you want to stick with commander's wagers then you can go in and bet on the Washington Commanders to win the Super Bowl at plus 6,000 odds. Or you could go safer and bet on the over-under win total for the Commanders, currently set at six and a half games at minus 122 odds to hit the over. I have already taken the over on that, so good luck to me. Hopefully the Commanders win at least seven games so that I can make a little bit on the side here. So don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel official partner of Major League Baseball. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Continuing on with today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Thank you, everybody out there for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day today and every day. Every day is come back tomorrow. We're going to have more Washington Commanders to talk about. I've got some lists, some rankings, and some other things to talk about here during this dead news period. And unfortunately, during this time of year, usually most of the news that comes out is not very good news. Uh, but we do have ownership stuff coming, so maybe we'll have some updates and projections or predictions on that. Of course, this Kareem Hunt stuff could uh, come to a head at any time. So make sure you come back through. If we don't have actual news to talk about, we will talk about projections and predictions uh, like we always do this time of year. Of course, if you want to send me a question for a future episode of this mailbag episode, drop them in the YouTube comments, email them to lockdowncommanders at gmail.com or hit me up on subtext at joinsubtext.com slash lockedoncommanders. Shout out to all the subtexters. Uh, you guys have been great. I uh, hopefully you guys liked all the extra bonus content that I dropped for you over the mini camp. We've got a lot of stuff just like that coming for training camp. And if you want to get in on all of the added bonuses and specials uh, there, just head over again, join subtext.com slash locked on commanders ahead of training camp. And we will make sure that you get all of those goodies. Next question for this today, today's mailbag episode coming from Anunnaki. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, who wrote in, do you feel Eric Biennemi will employ a fullback? A true West Coast offense uses one. I believe Alex Arma is that guy. He's big, strong, and fast for a fullback. He can block and catch. I think he can bring some toughness and physicality to the run game and be an overlooked weapon in the offense in certain situations. I hope EB gives this guy a chance to be a difference maker. What do you think on implementing a fullback? Uh, thank you, Anunnaki, Anunnaki, Anunnaki. Uh, he says he's a, he or she is a, f- uh, a fan of the team since 1979 and knows this position is not used as often uh, these days, but mentions, I think, Kyle Shanahan is who he's talking about, uh, and, and uh, his running back, Juszczyk, uses him a lot. So maybe Alex Arma can fill that same kind of role. And, and I love this question. As soon as I saw it, I said, you know what? This is going in the very next mailbag episode. We're putting it in there because I want to talk about this. Discuss, I discussed this idea, the return of the fullback, uh, with some other meeting members on the sideline towards the end of the mini camp. Uh, and, and I would be very excited to see it come back. And, I, and I'll tell you right now, I think it would be a mistake right now for any of us to try to nail down Eric Bieniemy's offense this early and say, this is what it's going to be. This is what you should expect. But I'll tell you what I hope to see. And, and this is this is a little bit of what I would like to see, but also a little bit of an educated kind of, I want to call it a guess because I'm not guessing. I'm using a little bit of history and, and and knowledge of the Andy Reid coaching tree with a little bit of what we've seen already to kind of piece together what I think we're in the process of seeing built, right? So I'm going to kind of paint you the house that I think is happening, uh, being built on the street, but just understand there could be some different window designs. Maybe the door placement is different. You know, you know, hopefully you get the analogy. But at its roots, Andy Reid's offense and the offense that all of his disciples run is a West Coast offense, just like you said. And a West Coast offense typically likes to use two-back sets with one of those guys being a fullback type, or if they're not a traditional fullback, one of them is a blocker, lead blocker type, one of them is a ball carrier, right? And Alex Arma, 
absolutely would fit that role uh, the best, the traditional fullback role, the best out of every player on the Washington Commanders roster right now. So you hit the nail on the head with that perfectly. But while Andy Reid's offenses have been rooted in West Coast principles, like using short passing game is not only an extension of the running game, but really at times a replacement of the running game, we see that there's something that he has, Andy Reid, that not a lot of coaches have in today's NFL, unfortunately, and that is scheme versatility. Now, we hear this phrase, scheme versatile, right? All the time. We hear it in the lead up to the NFL draft, and we're always talking about what? We're always talking about players, right? We're talking about cornerbacks. They can play outside. They can play inside. They can play deep. They can play short. They can play man. They can play zone. That guy is scheme versatile, and we look for it in every player. Are you scheme versatile? But we don't look for it enough, I think, in coaches. Is that coach scheme versatile? Because I think that if your coach is scheme versatile, it can almost be more important than whether or not your players are scheme versatile. Because I think when we talk about the Andy Reid coaching tree, it's important to understand that Eric Bieniemy is just getting his first opportunity to branch out from the Andy Reid coaching tree, and it's a straight-out branch, right? He's not moving upwards like a lot of these guys do to a head coaching job. But He's been there, Eric Bieniemy, to see a lot of these other coaches branch out and get head coaching jobs and grow, quote unquote, north, right? So I think that's really interesting and really intriguing. And I think that while Eric Bieniemy has seen guys like Matt Nagy, guys like Andy, you're not Andy Reid, uh, Matt Nagy, Doug Peterson, come and go and leave and 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 become the next extension of the Andy Reid coaching tree elsewhere. He's also getting the opportunity to kind of see, like, okay, here's what Matt took and here's how he kind of changed it. And here's how it worked. Here's how it didn't. Doug Peterson, same thing, right? So Matt Nagy, who right now is, again, the Chiefs offensive coordinator, is an Andy Reid guy. And in Chicago, he used a wide spread of play designs. I mean, a lot of different formations, a lot of different looks uh, to try to confuse defenses and not let them really get a beat on everything that they were doing. Jaguars head coach, Doug Peterson, former Eagles head coach, former Andy Reid coordinator, is another guy. But his play designs really came out of fewer formations, right? So fewer form base formations, but within those formations, they were more focused on players doing different things out of the same look or the quarterback just hitting different options, making different reads based on the look, based on the situation, based on the defense. So that was a little bit different. So both are West Coast rooted, but they 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 attacked designing how they were going to run their teams a little bit differently, right? And then you have Mike Kafka, who's now the Giants offense coordinator. Again, he came out of Kansas City, and he's very creative in his game. But really, his creativity came in the run game. But again, they all came from Reed. So you have one guy who used a lot of different formations, one guy who didn't use as many formations but used a lot of different nuances within the same formations, and then one guy who really didn't even lean on the pass, which you know is not all that West Coast-ish, West Coast-ish. Uh, but more so use that kind of West Coast ingenuity and Andy Reid uh, creativity in the running game. But they all came from Reid, and they all came from West Coast seeds, right? And I think to a man, they all prefer 12 personnel, even if they don't necessarily always use 12 personnel. I think they prefer it, one running back, two tight ends, if you don't know, but appreciate the value of using different personnel groupings in the right situations. And the key is really to understand that situation, right? When you look at the success stories from, from the Andy Reid coaching tree, and the not-so-successful stories, that's been the key. Know when to ramp it up, know when to keep it simple. Matt Nagy tried to get Justin Fields to understand and adopt all these different formations and calls, and as a rookie, it just didn't work, and he never really simplified things for him, right? Kafka came into New York, on the other hand, and focused on the run game. Why? Because he's got Daniel Jones as a quarterback, and the more you put the ball in his throwing hand, the more likely he is to mess it up if you lean on the pass. But if you put it in Saquon Barkley's hand, a quick receiver's hand, or you make Jones a runner, 
you have a better shot at being successful, not just in the running game, but also in the passing game. It doesn't mean Kafka isn't a West Coast coach. It means that he doesn't have a West Coast team. He's scheme versatile. You saw the same kind of emphasis on stressing defenses by spreading them across the field, spreading them down the field as much as you can, but adopted more of a quarterback run type focus uh, that came out of Brian Dable's time in Buffalo, Josh Allen. The result was a career high in pass attempts and rushes for Daniel Jones. He rushed 120 times, but he also threw the ball more than he ever had in his career. But the pass attempt per rush ratio, rush ratio uh, came in much closer than the years before. And that, from where I stand, made it easier for Daniel Jones to throw because when he had to, it was, an, it was a better picture for him to throw to because defenses were so focused on what was happening with the run. That led to a career-high 67% completion rate and a career-best 1.1% interception rate. His yards per attempt, also a career-high, but only by one-tenth of a yard. So it's not like Daniel Jones was slinging the ball all, all over the field better than he was ever before. What it is is that the defenses were having to respond to him differently, opening up more passing lanes because his coach was using him better. That's the kind of Andy Reid. So call it West Coast, call it what you want, but I think really what these coaches take for Andy Reid is the ability, if they're successful, to flex to their team. We saw Reid, enemy and the Chiefs win a Super Bowl with Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Sammy Watkins. We also saw them win one with Travis Kelsey, Jarek McKinnon, and Isaiah Pacheco. In one Super Bowl, Reed and Bienemy had one running back get more than one touch. Only one running back touched the ball more than one time. In the other Super Bowl, only one receiver had more than two catches. The constant in both Super Bowl wins was the tight end, not just Travis Kelsey, but mainly Travis Kelsey, right? But tight ends were a big part in both. But in the others, they flip-flopped, right? So what are we expecting to be constant? Tight ends are going to be a big part of this. The rest is going to depend on personnel, and that is what makes Eric Bieniemy's uh, offense very exciting. So, how do we answer this question? Right, let's get back to the fullback. Do I think we can see fullback usage in this Eric Bieniemy offense? I absolutely do, but I don't think it's going to be Alex Arma because I don't think Alex Arma brings enough scheme versatility himself to allow Eric Bieniemy to flex as much as he needs to. I think it's going to be Chris Rodriguez Jr. I think he's going to be labeled a running back, but I think he's going to get used as a fullback, and he's also going to be used as a short yardage running back. And he's going to fill in in spots normally manned by linebackers on special teams, scheme versatile. And remember, Eric Bianami asked for Chris Rodriguez Jr. specifically. This is where I think he comes in, I believe. But of course, they had to get it worked out. Chris has to show he can do it. And uh, so that's where training camp and the preseason come in. Don't sleep on Alex Arma, but I think Chris Rodriguez Jr. was brought here to be that type of guy. So Great question. Hopefully I answered it uh, astutely enough. Uh, it took me on a on a tangent that I really enjoyed. But we've got one more question coming up here on the defense. I'm going to tell you who I think will be your starting commander secondary this season. We'll discuss that coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes... It's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line, or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. 
in these alternate sports realities. Dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Wrapping up today's episode with a question from Johnson, who asked with all the new pieces in the secondary and some of the guys that have been here really starting to excel, who are the starters going to be safeties and corners? So here's my quick answer on that, right? My quick answer on that is Kendall Fuller, Benjamin St. Juice, Derek Forrest, and Cameron Curl. Before you cuss me out about Emmanuel Forbes, give me a second. So traditionally, right, when you talk about, and, and it's really hard because in today's NFL, there really is no like 4-3 defense, 3-4 defense. Like everything is multiple, right? Every defense is multiple. Um, but traditionally speaking, you would call Jack Del Rio's defense a 4-3 base defense. In a 4-3 base defense, you have two corners, you have two safeties. So that's where I'm going to answer that question quickly. Kendall Fuller, Benjamin St. Juice, Derek Forrest, Cameron Curl. However, Emmanuel Forrest's performance, rookie camp, OTAs, mini camp has been exceptional. And it's probably been better, honestly, than the commander scouts and, and GM and coach and, and all the stuff expected it to be. He has done very, very well. Quan Martin uh, had to miss the rookie mini camp, but during OTAs, during the mini camp, his versatility has really shown through very impressively. So in reality, your starting secondary is going to be five guys, right? It's going to be three cornerbacks, including a slot defender and two safeties. So in that aspect, Kendall Fuller, Emmanuel Forbes, Benjamin St. Juice slash Quan Martin. I'll get to that here in a minute. Then you have Derek Forrest, Cameron Curl. I think those are your today's NFL type starters. Now that doesn't really fit. That's more of a nickel type of package, but that's really what your starting package uh, is going to be. In today's NFL, Benjamin St. Juice and Quan Martin, I really think, are kind of inter- interchangeable depending on the matchup. Again, we talk scheme versatility, right? If Benjamin St. Juice has the better matchup in the slot against the guy that he's lined up against, then you put him out there. If it's Quan Martin, then you put Quan out there, right? But then you also have some other defensive backs, right? And this is what has made this kind of period in the offseason a little exciting is Percy Butler is getting out there, getting a lot of work because Cam Curl is sitting out the team drills, the 11 on 11s, the 7 on 7s. But Percy Butler is growing, looks like he's growing almost by the practice. He's getting better and better. Certainly has taken a step from last year. Again, once the pads come on, the contact happens. We'll see if that sticks. But as of right now, just from what we've been able to see, you can say that Percy Butler uh, has certainly improved. And that opens up the door to more matchup versatility. It also opens up the door to anticipating maybe some 6DB looks. And again, that's why you kind of want to get away from the, well, this is a 4-3 defense. So that's what this means. Because, again, just as, as offenses get more versatile, defenses have to get more versatile as well. And I think we're going to see some six-man secondaries this season. You might see some some more five-man fronts. You might see a 5-1-5 formation. We've got one linebacker on the field, but you got five DBs and five defensive linemen. You're going to see a lot of different looks, guys. And I think if you're looking at a six-DB look, Kendall Fuller, Emmanuel Forbes, Benjamin St. Juice, then you have Cam Curl, but then in the middle there, you got Quan Martin, Derek Forrest, or Percy Butler. Again, depending on what the formation calls for, if you want to see Quan Martin down in the slot, you might see Derek Forrest down in the box, or you might see Derek Forrest down in the box, Percy Butler in as a cover guy. I mean, th- there's just a lot of versatility and a lot of options that the commander's defense and defense coordinator Jack Del Rio seem to have right now. Now, again, a lot of this is going to depend on what happens in training camp, what happens in the preseason once the hitting is real, because did you draft Emmanuel Forbes to come off the bench? No. But what again, what does off the bench really actually mean, right? Jahan Dotson was drafted in the exact same spot last year. 
played less than 60% of total snaps due to injuries mostly, but he played 80% of snaps in the first three games before he got hurt. And then he played 74% or more in the final five games of the season after he came back and had kind of a three game ramp up uh, to really get back in the groove of things started 10 games this last season because he was on the field to start the game. Three receivers traditionally are going to be your starting receivers. Well, three DBs are also going to be your, your starting DBs. So just because I say Emmanuel Forbes may not be the top two corner right now on the roster doesn't mean he's not going to start. Uh, Benjamin St. Juice started all 12 games that he played in last year, including the early games where he was playing in the slot because the commanders are still trying to make William Jackson the third uh, a thing. So when I tell you the four, top four DBs aren't including Emmanuel Forbes, just remember that the top five does include Emmanuel Forbes, and that's who's going to be on the field most likely to start these games because of how the NFL has evolved in their passing game. But right now, I do believe that Benjamin St. Juice, if you order them, one, two, three, four, five, six, whatever, I do believe that Benjamin St. Juice is still number two uh, on that list. That doesn't mean he can't change in training camp and in preseason. And in fact, honestly, if Forbes does what he's already done, continues to do that, continues to grow a little bit, when the pads come on and the bullets are live, I think he absolutely will become your number two corner. Uh, but it's going to come at the expense of Benjamin St. Juice, not Kendall Fuller. I know a lot of people think it's going to be Kendall Fuller. It's the odd man out. And I'm telling you, not as a personal opinion. This isn't me saying I necessarily prefer Kendall long-term over Ben and Emmanuel. But what I'm seeing on the practice field, what I'm hearing in the coaches, uh, more importantly, what I'm seeing on the practice field, uh, Kendall Fuller is is your starting outside corner. Like He's going to be outside unless he's injured. Um, so if Emmanuel is outside and there's nobody inside, uh, it's coming at the expense of Benjamin St. Juice, not Kendall Fuller. But a very good question. We got another question from Johnson as well about Curtis Samuel that I have stored. I've got a couple other questions also stored for future mailbags. Another great mailbag today here. Commanders fans, you guys always bring great questions. Uh, like I said, we got some more, uh, more stored away. But if you have additional questions that you want to add to the pile, drop them in the YouTube comments, hit me up on Twitter, or email them to me at LockedOnCommanders at gmail.com. Or you can always send them to me directly via subtext. As always, thank you so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day, every day, every day. Thank you for coming through on a consistent basis like you do. And remember, you can continue the conversation with me over at joinsubtext.com slash Commanders. Tomorrow's episode is actually inspired by a conversation I've been having on subtext with one of my subtexters. So if you want to get in on that fun, trust me, it's a lot of fun. Head on over again, joinsubtext.com slash Commanders. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day. Part of your routine, if you have anything else Washington Commanders related that you want to know or you want to discuss, make sure you also follow me on Twitter at DHarrison82. Until we speak again, please be safe, be kind. I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? 
Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.